Welcome to Freelance Creative Exchange, where every episode we speak to a freelancer about freelancing and the gig economy. Hi, I'm Jace. And I'm Yan Ling, and we have a special episode for you today. And it's special because we're bringing you highlights from our podcast party that we held on August 30th. So during the episode later, you will hear about uh, what scenario, what situations, what are the worst nightmares that face, not only just from a freelancer perspective, but from a company perspective as well. Hi, good evening everybody. Thank you so much for coming here and joining us today after your long day of work. I know some of you uh, have just joined us and some of you have already joined us from way before. My name is Yan Ling, by the way. You see me running around and fleeting around. I'm part of Creatives at Work. For those of you who haven't seen a trailer, maybe I'll give you an introduction to what this, you know, you guys are here for a podcast party today, but what exactly is this podcast? So let's take a look here at the trailer of the podcast. So welcome once again, everybody. Uh, in case you weren't paying attention just now, my name is Yan Ling. Hello, everyone. Hi. Uh, okay, I hope you went and started proper. To introduce myself, okay, I'm considered the super businesswoman of creatives at work. Okay, and I'm also one of the co-hosts. Sometimes you see me on the podcast. Okay, so what is this whole podcast about? This podcast came about uh, because we are a group of, uh, we are a company that helps to join freelancers together with the project owners. And uh, we find what is lacking out there in the community is, you know, some information out there or sharing for fellow freelancers. And so we have started this freelance creative exchange where we launched a couple of months ago. It's a podcast for freelancers by freelancers. Every two weeks, we will launch a new episode where our co-founders, Jace as well as Fanny and sometimes me, will invite guests onto the, onto the show where they talk about freelancing, they talk about their lifestyle, their career path all the way to date and what they have uh, plans for the future and what do they see for the freelancing uh, community in the future. So uh, before I begin, let me share with you some very crucial information like the Wi-Fi password over here. Some of you who have joined us for the previous session would already have it and be connected. But for those who have not, this is the network you should be connecting to and this is the password you can access it at. So uh, why this is very important is because we are today, you turn around and look at a couple of cameras behind there. It's not for show. I know it's here also to see my pretty face. But we are also live on Facebook. So you can connect live actually right now. Go to Facebook. Go to Creative at Work Asia. That's our account. Uh, you can also scan the QR code there, which will bring you right to that post. And you can find us broadcasting live and you might be able to see yourself. So I have to warn you, these people in the center, if you stand up halfway through, we might see the back of your head. Okay? <laughs> and this is how we're going to work today, okay, guys? Any questions or any comments that you have for the speakers, in case you're too shy to stand up, you know, or you don't want to interrupt anybody on stage, you can please key in your comments inside the Facebook Live and then somebody will be reading it and bringing the question up when the, uh, the moment is right. Everyone got the page as well? The QR code? When in doubt, just go to Facebook and look for Creatives at Work. Okay, that will be our page. Creatives at Work, one word. 
And at the end of the session, please stay back and also fill up the survey form. This is our survey form because you will stand to win one of four prizes at the end of the night. Anyone who leaves the survey will pick it by random and you might be walking away with a special prize. Okay, everyone got that too? If you want to find the survey form later and you can't find it, there's a QR code right over there at the back. If you see, that's the exact same QR code to fill up the survey. So you can do it later at the end of the night. So before we begin and invite our panel of uh, guests up here, I have a very special uh, surprise guest today. He was one of um, uh, our first, he was the first guest on our podcast. Uh, and he's an internationally known uh, photographer. He started off as a photographer, went all over the world, started to take photographs of celebrities. And now he's actually set up, uh, gone on to his entrepreneur um, journey and set up a few companies. He is the very talented, the very suave Kevin Ao. So can we just invite him up to say a few words? Hi, Kevin. You guys are, <laughs> are you doing like Inception Live Inception here? <laughs> so Kevin will have to leave uh, very soon. So unfortunately, he's not able to join us for the panel. But Kevin, can you just share a bit about? you know, being the, the our experience of being the first guest on our podcast. So I was the guinea pig out of everyone else. Um, it was fun because I think when they first shared the idea with me and why I actually agreed to do it was it, there was a larger purpose, right? They wanted to share the, the knowledge of all the different people, wh whether we did things right or wrong. I, I can safely say I didn't do everything right in my career, but... All the stuff, whether I did it right or wrong, if you can share it with the younger generation and put it online and they can something that they can digest, then it's a mistake that they don't have to make, which means they also move a lot faster then. So I think that was what intrigued me. Um, and when we got together, I think that became really fun. Uh, they did a lot of homework. The, the questions were actually very in-depth. Uh, I'm actually very intrigued to see the final cut. So when you guys have it, Perfect. I'm going to look online and see that. Yep. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. So, uh, thank you once again, Kevin. So, he will be leaving us later, but uh, if you can, try to catch him before then or go online to one of our platforms over here. You can see the link over there, creativesatwork.asia slash FCE. FCE stands for Freelance Creative Exchange. And then you can see the whole, all the episodes every two weeks being posted up there to keep yourself updated. You can subscribe to any one of the channels up there. And then you can receive updates also on um, Spotify. That's the, that's the platform I use. You can use YouTube to see visually. You know, if you want to see who's talking, when they're talking, uh, you, can, you can tune in to YouTube over there. Okay, now... Uh, I will in introduce our uh, moderators as well as our hosts for the podcast and the event today. Our very own founder, co-founder, Jay Stam, as well as Fanny. Today we have our guests with us also. These three guests, some of you might have seen them on the podcast itself. One of them, Sean, has not appeared yet, but can we invite Sean up on stage? As well as Alex. Alex, where are you? Where are you hiding? Oh, Alex, sorry. I keep saying, you know, Alex without his, his glasses, I cannot recognize him. Okay, so uh, welcome on stage. Satya, uh, who is a guest in one of our latest episodes, unfortunately sprained her ankle today and will not be here with us. However, 
if you tune into uh, Facebook Live, she's actually going to be in the comment section and she'll be uh, dropping in her comments or her views and opinions. I'll be the side reading it and chi uh, chiming in. So I might uh, interrupt you guys halfway through, but that is actually Satya talking, okay? Uh, and of course, any of the questions that you guys have which might be relevant, I will also bring it up at the time. So without further ado, I will hand it off to Jason Fanny. Okay, first of all, I would like to welcome all of you all here um, with us um, today for our podcast sessions. Some of you all are here earlier for the earlier session as well. So as Yeling has earlier shared, one of the reasons why we wanted to start our podcast channel was really firstly, of course, um, you know, we see the trend. A lot of people are actually going on to podcasts. Secondly, is really also, you know, the freelance community that we have been working with has also fed back to us that, oh, you know, they want to hear from more professionals. Um, you know, they want to know more about the, the tips, right, um, you know, of freelancing, right? Hence, where can they access such resources? So we thought that, hey, you know, since we work with such a big network of freelancers and, you know, we have very, our own successful case. So why don't we come out with a podcast that everybody will know and not only just people in Singapore, right? So we could actually get people from overseas to actually know some of our very own talent, um, as well. So today we actually have um, the, our three guests here. Uh, maybe I'll let them introduce themselves and they are actually our very own homegrown Singapore talent. So maybe Sean, you want to go first? Okay, sure. Uh, so I'm Sean. Uh, I run Battle Brew Productions. We do games. <laughs> okay, um, my name is Alex. I'm from uh, White Noise Music and I'm a film composer. So for um, Alex, if y'all have been watching local films, I would say majority of the local film that y'all watch are composed by Alex, our own music composer. <laughs> and then of course, um, Sean hates the mobile games company and is actually one of those that actually spearhead the whole game development industry in Singapore. So um, maybe without further ado, let me just actually share with y'all what is the team that we have for today. Can we take a look at the team that we have? Right, so today we are going to talk about your worst nightmare. The reason why we actually chose this topic was also because while everybody knows about the benefit of being a freelancer, right? So, you know, I choose my client, you know, I work at my own time, I choose how I want to work, you know, etc., etc. But a lot of time we also emphasize that is the good side, right? As everything, when there is pro, there will always be con, right? And one of the major challenges definitely is that you know, when you met with nightmares, how do you then resolve it, right? Or what kind of nightmare would you encounter during your freelance journey? Maybe before we start, it could be the worst freelancers or it could be your worst client. Lah. So we don't restrict to any one of those. Yeah, but maybe I'll get Fanny. Yeah, Fanny, so eager to share with you. Okay, I'll get Fanny to share first. Then after that, you know, you all can talk about your, your story. Yeah, I thought I thought I I just share first because um uh, just to introduce you, this is the format of our podcast. So normally we just chit chat um and hopefully um not hopefully but definitely there will be some takeaway for everybody in the crowd. So if you have any comments or any experience that you want to share with us, you can also write in uh, tune into our Facebook live and then put it in the comment section. So my worst nightmare actually led me to give birth to my second son. Uh, much earlier than expected. So uh, two years ago, okay, actually last year, we had a client who is from a major um, telecommunications company. So we were helping them to run a six-month campaign. Um, it was 
quite a traumatic experience. I have been in the industry for close to 10 years in, in the media industry and I've never met with a client who is so demanding and her favourite words to you is, I'm not impressed. Every time. You know, you can go into your room with your team, then you brainstorm for hours and hours and you come up from the brainstorm session feeling so confident of a product, you see, and you give out to him, to her, and then she will say, I'm not impressed. It's not impressive. Nothing impressive. What? She, she always do that to us. So, and she requires a weekly meeting for the entire six months. Every week, we have to really meet her, sit down with her, and then, you know, you see the displeasure on her face and, and things like that. Uh, it was a very tough period, really. Uh, all of us in Creative Cyber, we, okay, usually there will only be one project manager managing a project, but, but for this special client, all of us were in this project. <laughs> so every week, the whole gang from Creative Cyber would go down and just service this client. But out, out of it, what I've learned is, it is my worst nightmare ever. Out, of, out from it, what I've learned is, if I don't impress myself times 10, I will never impress my client. So now my favorite word to my team is, are you impressed with the work times 10? So you have, to be, you have to be very impressed with the idea or the concept that you come up with before you give it to your client. And most importantly, the one key thing I take away is, your first draft to the client has to be ready. It has to be a finished product. It cannot be like, it's the first draft, like, yeah, I don't color, you know. Uh, I mean, if it's a video or if it's only the first draft, I put it in point form. No, the first draft, it has to be as good as your final product. I, I learned this the very hard way because, uh, I mean, we, we get another hour of uh, blasting from her because she felt that a first draft, you have to be proud of a first draft. Yeah, so uh, it is my worst nightmare, but I think I, we have, you know, very good takeaway from that and then from it, we emerge uh, stronger. <laughs> I think just to add on to what Fanny mentioned and, and to translate it down to the freelancers, right, is that if you feel that you are not ready or your product that the client has actually asked uh, and trusts you to do, you're not ready with it, you know, it is okay to actually reflect to the client and say that, okay, uh, I want to show you an impressive one, so can I have a day, right, to work on it? But of course, you don't push the limits a day and then after a day, a day, you know, kind of minute, right? When you set a deadline for yourself, make sure you meet the deadline because um, the thing is for freelancers, is really you are as good as your last job, right? If you actually were to, um, I would say, d didn't give a good name to yourself, right? Then that's going to put a lot of hindrance to your career, especially as a freelancer. So maybe now I will just turn to Sean to actually kind of share with us. I think Sean is a bit unique, right? Because Sean, before setting up the company, he is a freelance illustrator. So he uh, actually has... Oh, uh, sorry. Well, designer. designer. And that was a long time designer. ago. <laughs> So he actually are on the both sides. So maybe Sean, you'd like to share with us your worst nightmare. Okay, so I think for me, I've been on both ends of that spectrum. So way before doing games, I was freelancing, doing some designs for t-shirts, whatnot. In games, especially now running my own company, uh, we do engage freelancers. And some of my team and myself have definitely done work for other people in games. So I think overall, we've seen, or at least I've seen both ends of that and kind of experienced both ends of that. That being said, I think I've been more or less blessed in some way that... Uh, I mean, we're talking about nightmares here, but nothing has truly, really, really gone south. Mostly because I think uh, we traded Lobang and news with each other. So for example, oh, this person's great to work with. And then we also looked at why, both as a freelancer and as a client. And I think when we looked at the nightmare cases, we kind of decided, oh, we don't want to be that guy. Oh, you know, you don't want to be that person or that company, uh, especially after having gone through it ourselves. 
So we've talked about like early on, I guess in, in my career, when I was more designing T-shirts, etc. Even the way it, it worked, some, some clients are more visionary. They know exactly what they want. Those, I think, were a bit in contrast to Fanny's story. That was actually good, meaning that since they know what they want, you sort of know what bar to hit. The one that's, that's worse is those who don't know what they want. And uh, I hate this line, like, like, oh, just show it to me. Uh, I'll know it when I see it. And it's like, oh, God. Horrible. So that wastes a lot of time, I think, especially coming from the freelancer side. Then I think when the equation flipped and then now we're running a company. So when we are working freelancers or even like employees, so you kind of have to know exactly what you want. And you can say, okay, obviously you don't know that, but knowing also what you, you don't want is really key to letting people do their job properly. So you, you hire them usually for a reason, especially in creative field, right? So you can't micromanage them. But you do need to know what kind of a mood, what's your target audience, what's the time frame. And you also need to obviously know the freelancer well. What can they do? So for us, we work a lot with artists, for example. In industry, knowledge is important. So just because someone can draw pretty girls doesn't mean they can draw vehicles or cars or robots. So I think trying to find the right talent for the specific job at hand is key. Most of the, I guess if you say nightmares or disagreements would be because of things like that. More of the nightmares would be when I was freelancing for people, then I kind of experienced, example, indecisive, or people who didn't actually know what design they wanted. That was really painful. And then I learned from that and tried not to be that person. How about you, Alex? My worst nightmare came from a client. It was a particular project that was on. This particular project itself is not a straightforward film. And uh, it was something that is a little bit more complicated than normal, you know. So the story is difficult to understand, you know, and it's not clear-cut. So I think if I reflect it properly, it's actually miscommunication from both sides. So things weren't communicated properly, you know, before we started. And then the moment we start embarking on the project and doing and scoring the thing, it just went a whole lot. It's, it's, it's messy. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so, maybe, Alex, you want to share with the audience? Um, because maybe some of them are not from the film industry, so they yeah. probably are not very familiar. How does the music part comes in along the filmmaking value yeah. chain? Okay, so... For music with films, I mean, it is basically telling the story of what the visual, you know, is showing, what the film is supposed to be. So if it's a horror film, of course, you know, get those kind of crazy sounds that you would imagine, which is your worst nightmare, whatever you can think of. And then if it's a rom-com, then you have, you know, um, you, I will provide, you know, the music that supports the mood, which is romantic, you know, funny, so things like that. So the music, in, in a sense, is another character in the film itself. So if you think about that, therefore I need to be clear, you know, of what the film is talking Right, in order for me to do it effectively, in order for me to tell the story effectively. So if I'm not clear about that thing, you know, it, you know, I, I, I'll just score something that perhaps is not what the client wants. So therefore, the person would demand, you know, like, uh, why are you, why is it like that, you know, that kind of thing. And then I, I thought you wanted it like that, you know, and then, and I was a little bit too nice, you know, like uh, polite, you know, and telling him things that, oh, maybe I can... Because the person was asking me a couple of questions, 
And then, um, you know, I was being nice, not being clear-cut. So, again, it's communication, you see. So, I should be very firm, you know, and if it can't be done, it can't be done. So, the person thought it can be done, you see. So, that's where things get worse. I'm uh, injecting on behalf of Satya. Uh, she has a comment for this answer as well. She's saying that, honestly, I've been very lucky not to have too many nightmares. But I'd say the worst client experience I've ever had was when two of my clients didn't make their final payment for about four months. Uh, yeah, I say, oh, but actually I've heard a lot of experiences like that, very similar. They both did after relentless follow-ups, but it also showed me it was time for me to start charging 100% in advance. So I guess it taught me, as in Satya, how to have better boundaries in my business. So did you have ever... You know, the same uh, experiences and what you all learn from me or what you all do about it? I think the, I mean, the latest anybody paid me was 90 days. It's a little bit long, you know, but still okay. <laughs> I think fortunate. I think we, we are more comfortable with like 50-50 sort of thing. So 50 deposit, 50% deposit up front, 50 when it's done. But I think this also scores, I mean, looks at the importance of signing contracts, like yeah. proper contracts terms that are clear and very specific and that both sides agree on. I think that's something a lot of freelancers, even companies don't take, they don't, they don't put it as high a priority. For example, what does this like, we'll pay you within one month, two months, three months, um, and how it affects budgeting and the other person's production schedule. So I think there's something for freelancers to look out for because I did encounter this when I was much, much younger. Oh yeah, so the cash is coming in, I can like, Go pay my rent or something, and you're like, wait, no, it's like 60 days later. Uh, that, that's quite painful. I think for our side, it's just more trying to, again, not, not you've lived through that, you lived through, lived through the pain of it, so you don't want to forward that bad practice. So even if there is a company policy, then I think it's about being very clear to said freelancer, oh, okay, we will pay you upon acceptance of the work done within X amount of time then if they agree, then you're also clear on that. Lah. So um, this is actually one of the, I would say one of the main challenges that freelancers face, right, in terms of late payment. So what are some of the recourse? What are some of the resolutions? Um, you know, what can we do, right, if the client is late in their payment? I think um, this is something that NTUC as well as the government agency like IMDA and all this are trying to solve as well, right? Um, especially if you are young, just starting out. So imagine, you know, you finish your work and you get paid three months later. So that actually cause, uh, will cause a lot of, I would say, um, detrimental effect or spiral down effect, right, um, to your entire life. Um, so in our freelancing bootcamp, usually what we advise the freelancers is, um, you know, do consider this because this is definitely a challenge you will face and you will see, right? Um, it's before you start freelancing. Can you put in some of the safeguard, like for example, to have a bit of you know reserve that can tide you over, right? Um, we suggest minimally at least six months because you don't know what you know what is to come, right? But if you can actually have a reserve of about six months, right? You know that should be quite comfortable. In our experience, a lot of the freelancers is uh, usually within six months you will know whether you want to continue to be a freelancer or not because people who probably couldn't survive beyond the six months would then say, okay, uh, you know, I think I tried it, right? I think it's not for me, right? And therefore, you know, I will go on to look for other um, opportunity. But what about your guys? Do you think six months is enough, or you have other advice for freelancers? I think that really depends on personal circumstance, both of the company and of the freelancer. I think six months sounds fine. Um, 
I mean, depending on industry, it could even be a year if you if you wanted to be more prudent. Mostly because you don't know how some of the industry or industries are going, especially when creative fields. So work tends to be project-based. If there's no project for the rest of the year, what are you going to do, right? Um, I think one point I wanted to, to bring up and something that we're very, we pay a lot of attention to also would be how to protect yourself. I mean, both as the company, for example, if you have a freelancer who actually can't do the job, then what? Right? Or say you're the freelancer and the client keeps changing their mind, then, then what? Right? So something like uh, either a limited amount of changes or revisions or we will only do within the scope of X, I think sometimes it's important. Uh, one of the possible nightmares, so I haven't experienced something as bad as this, but uh, a close friend did. So she was illustrating for a company I will not name. And the, the brief kept on changing, again, because I think product owner didn't know what they wanted. So first you draw X, then you draw Y, then you draw Z. And you go, I think you should be charging them for Y and Z, you know. And then since the job wasn't technically done, it just stretches and stretches. And you can say, oh, that's the company, in a way, taking advantage of the freelancer. And that's true. But sometimes the opposite also happens. So it's like, if this freelancer isn't working out, for example, and they can't do what you want, then maybe it's time to end the arrangement. Okay, you've paid them 50%. They've done some work that's fair. But, you know, production time is taking along. You don't have to stick with that one as well. So again, this should be part of the contract somewhere. Limited amount of changes beyond a certain point either party should be able to pull the plug. And that's why I think part of the deposit makes sense, but yeah, if you've paid them 100% or paid nothing, then it gets really awkward. Lah. How about Alex? Do you have some advice as to how do you actually build in parameters or build in safeguard against you know, late payments or you know, unfair terms like what? I mean, Sean pretty said. much said everything. So yeah. six months, um, I think is reasonable. And again, you should put all those parameters, you know, whereby at least the client pays you maybe 50%, 30%, you know, whatever, you know, you decide what is uh, comfortable for you and all the payment milestones, you know. So, um, yes, but there should be like all the other clauses like what he mentioned, you know, um, with every revision, you know, maybe you charge, you know, maybe, okay, after five revisions, you charge more, yeah, so... One of the recent story that we heard as well um, of revision, I mean, such kind of revisions or such kind of nightmare. I mean, it doesn't happen to us. It happened to one of our freelancers who kind of casually just mentioned to us that um, he's working on, he's a video editor, he's a freelance video editor and he worked on a project for a client which we shall not name as well, right? And it went through how many times of revision? 40 times. For her, how many, how long is the video? Three minutes video. 40 times of revisions, right? So we were asking... Why, why would you even entertain, right? Can't you actually, uh, you know, build in, you know, some safeguard? Like, you know, three times. Usually for video editing, it's about three times, right? Three to five times is industry standard for video editing, right? So if anything above that, right, um, then of course it varies from individual to individual. If it's like minor, like change of name, you know, typo error, you know, then of course the editor should then not charge. But if it's really a change of direction, then it actually warrants an additional fee. Um, but again, you know, goes back to Sean's question is because the freelancer doesn't have a contract up front with the client, so none of this are being stated down. So it's just a verbal, hey, I, I need a video editor to edit this video. And also because on the client side, there's actually multiple level of approval. So each level 
each level, they, yeah, if, if, you, if, you have, yeah, if you work with, you know, with corporate clients, you probably would have guessed who is it, right? That has such multiple <laughs> levels of approval. But, um, so at every level, there's like minimum five to eight changes, right? And then it goes up again, and then another five to eight changes, right? Finally, it takes them 40. I was just wondering, right, um, you know, this kind of uh, uh, nightmare or this kind of revisions, you know, when like Alex, you work with filmmakers, right? So how many, do, you, do they also request for a lot of changes to the music that you propose to them? I think as long as it is reasonable, um, as long as like, okay, maybe I compose something to this scene and they say, oh, can you change it? And then, okay, I'll ask, why do you want to change? Is there a reason? Is it not giving, you know, is it not, why do you want to change it? You know, so and if they can give me a valid, uh, you know, reason, any reason, you know, okay, it's not sad enough, you know, okay, fine, you know, or you know, it is um, not the direction that I want, you know, uh, so things like that. If it's valid, I think it's fine as long as because we are all working uh, towards the same direction, which is to make the product the best that it is, right? So um, as long as that everyone is on the same page. I think I can accept that kind of revision change. Yeah, I think it ties in with one thing which uh, we spoke about just now about um, being nice because right now, I mean, we all have our own small business to guide, right? So sometimes um, it's not just about the contract. Clients will come in, hey, do this for me, lah. And you say, yeah, okay, okay, do do You know, but um, I mean, and, and I have been guilty of that. There are some bigger clients which I have given them a lot of leeway. I've given them a lot of things which I know in industry standard you shouldn't. But in order to keep the client, you, you have to. So uh, it's a double-edged sword. So how do you, you know, balance being nice and then yet um, keep ensuring the client still comes back? Well, if it's within your means and it doesn't take very long, okay? It doesn't eat into... Okay, let's say if something like I can do it within one minute. Why not, you know? And then, because at the end of the day, we are all servicing the client. So I would, would love to give the best that I can, you know? And of course, even more to the client so that it's a returning customer, correct? So as long as I find that the final product is something that I perhaps I'm very proud of or, you know, that, oh, this thing, yeah, even though we slog, even though we are on it for a long time, put a lot of effort, but as long as, you know, it is a great product that both I am proud of and as well as the client is proud of, I think that is fine. So, but where do you draw the guidelines? It really is very difficult to say. It varies, so I don't really have an answer for that. Sean, what about you? Um, I mean, we've... We've definitely lived through that as well. Um, again, on both ends. So I think there were some uh, people we've worked with who went really above and beyond the call of duty. Uh, that's something I think we are very thankful for. And there have been some projects I've worked on in the past for somebody else. And uh, because the project was amazing, then you, you decide to, to do extra. I think there's... Uh, to me, it's about alignment. So a lot of us are creative people or we are craftspeople, right? So we value the product, the project, and we want it to be well done, right? So I think there's a, there's a pride in what we do there. That's great. I think the problem here is if you have, example, uh, say clients, that's more usually the case, who don't understand the craft, then that's where problems come in. So they don't understand how much work goes into even the concepting phase or that post-production is important. So we were having a conversation earlier, in fact, about things people take for granted. Like for games, it would be like, how did you get 
the mood of the game looking like that. Oh, it's because of the shader and other things and audio. Then people didn't budget that in. And then you're saying, oh, for film, there's, there's something, you know, there's literally a thing called color grading. And you go like, oh, you didn't budget for that. That's why your film doesn't look like somebody else's film. You wanted that mood, right? So because they don't understand the technical portion, they literally have no knowledge of it. So sometimes about education, right? Getting them to understand the full process of like, I'm sure we've all heard this line, hey, how come why so expensive? Cheaper can or not? And go like, well, you know. Then, then we break it down for them, then they, they kind of understand, right? Or you can say, yes, the other studio is cheaper or whatever, but they can't do whatever. If you want this, then this is it. And I think sometimes it's about letting, um, I guess, them learn the hard way. Sometimes you have no choice about that. Um, if you want what, speaking from the freelancer POV, uh, if you want what this freelancer can do, then be prepared to pay their rates. Uh. If not, somebody else will one day, assuming they're good. Uh. Okay, maybe we can also hear from Satya. Yeling, maybe you can ask whether Satya want to insert any comments at this point in time. She says that... Um, First of all, 40 times is absolutely insane and it's essential to limit the number of revisions that you, you set with your clients. Uh, but I do have a question here from one of the guests. Um, so how do you determine what to charge for your rates? I think that's a very essential question for uh, both freelancers. And I think anybody who's thinking of hiring any freelancers here, I think that's also... Um, what they want to know, you know, because a lot of times that's what people um, ask, especially when they want to hire a freelancer. What am I paying for? You know, you don't have a company, you're one person. What services uh, am I getting out of the fee that I'm giving you? Um, okay, I'll answer this question first. Uh, mostly because we do hire freelancers, right? So I think the POV I'll give is not from when I was freelancing for people, but more what goes through my head, I think. Sometimes I I think companies have, or the client has a budget. If the budget exists and they can't bust it, they can't bust it, even if they really want to work with someone. So definitely there have been people that I wanted to work with, but I just can't afford. And unless they were willing to do me massive favors, which has sometimes happened and sometimes hasn't, then I don't think I'm in a position to ask them to like drop their rate to something ridiculous for me. I, I don't think that's fair. Plus, it might hurt their, their business uh, or it might hurt my business because, you know, it's like some other company hears about it and come back to me and say, hey, how did you do this? It's like, oh my God. So uh, there's some potential minefields there. I think, frankly speaking, we compare it with if we had someone of a similar caliber or expertise and whether they can, they can do it. So I think, um, again, you must look back at why companies would approach the freelancer. Usually it's, oh, because we don't want to have a permanent slot on the roster, right? So it's project-based, for example. The other one is nobody in the team can do this. And again, it's project-based. Uh, I think those two are the main, main reasons. And then I think if you're reasonable about it, you're in the industry. So I think I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that I'm very production-based. So I know what's going on. I know what I used to cost. I know what other friends roughly their range is. If someone's like asking for double that, they had better be amazing. If someone's asking for half of that, I'd, I'd go like, are you serious, really? And then you'd have to be like, I think you're worth more than this, but okay. Uh, I think in the end, it's about trying to be, okay, but you can't expect strangers to necessarily be fair to you. But as a freelancer, then I think 
you should talk with other people, especially, and be very honest about like, does my work compare to person X or friend X? If you're not as good as them and you can't do what they can do, if you're being paid more than them, then you should be very thankful. If you're being paid less, then you should ask why and, and figure out why and figure out how to improve your skill set or what you can deliver. And then yeah, generally find out, do research on, on market rates. I think that's the most practical thing you can, you can do. If someone amazing has amazing rates, then just ask, are you, can you do something amazing as well? Uh? If you can't, then yet, then there's no real way around that. How about Alex? So, I mean, we are from a creative industry. So like what Sean said, if I'm a beginner... I can't charge like how an expert in the industry will charge, correct? So, of course, you know, charge something that is comfortable and that is, I mean, because it's going to take your time, right? So you, you are charging for your own time and you, of course, you've got to calculate like, you know, how much time you're going to spend on this, what it's going to be, are there additional costs, you know, do I need to hire other people, you know, so all these things, again, is, uh, varies from project to project, you know, sometimes even for myself, again, the project is the one that determines, you know, how much I actually charge. If I'm going to spend like three months on that project, so obviously I can't, well, charge, an uh, example, like 6000 for the whole project, which will take me three months. So if I'm calculating that way, one month I earn 2000 So does the 2000 per month allow me to survive through if I'm only working on that particular project? If my livelihood depends on this 6000 can it last me three months? You know, so all things like this. So again, you have to calculate, you know, you've got to be realistic in a sense. How much is your time? Yeah, I just wanted to, to say that because um, I first joined the media industry in a production house 12 years ago. Back then, the rates of a cameraman for per day is $300. When I left the production house six years ago, I was there for six years, the rate was the same. It was $300 per day. It never changed for six years. Nobody cared. Um, I mean, the industry was helmed by a few production houses at that time. and Everybody agreed, it's $300. So, um, of course, the... Technology were not so advanced then, you know, they, they may be same, using the same cameras, but it was 300. But then, these few years, I've seen a rise, you know, even the cameramen that we have, oh, they started learning new skills, you know, uh, they may know some, you know, additional stuff, they new, use new equipment, so hence, they are able to up their rates a bit, and, and find, you know, project owners are fine with that as well. So, uh, if you are curious about what you should be charging, because uh, at Creative Server, we have a base of about 1,500 freelancers across all the media skills, so you check in with us, so we'll be able to tell you the range according to your experience and your skills. I have an input from Satya as well. Um, she says you're better off charging at least 20 to 30% more than average. Average in brackets. Because most average freelancers are not charging high enough. And then, of course, provide an exceptional level of service to prove your worth. So I think it's all about your confidence and how you can deliver to your clients and then setting that standard over there. Do you guys agree? Uh, I'd agree, and actually the true rate might actually be higher. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. Let's just assume that the freelancer in question first is good enough to have a choice of whether they're working full-time or whether they want to freelance, right? Whether they want some freedom or flexibility. Don't forget, if you're freelancing, then you should account for things like what you would have cost, example, rate-wise, to the company if CPF was accounted for, 
right? So if you look at that, that's already an extra 20%. So you should add the 20% to that 30% and it's 150, example, right? And then if the company uh, needs something on an urgent basis or needs something very specialized and they can't do it, right? Of course, I mean, be fair to them as well, right? Um, you do have a right to ask for more, I think. If not, then, I mean, if you look at a, at a trade-off, right? So uh, why would you work for a company full-time versus freelance, right? So if you're working for them full-time, they take care of you in other ways. For example, pay your CPF, uh, employee benefits, etc. If you're freelancing, yes, they don't have that burn, that, that constant burn for their payroll. But in return, okay, maybe you can ask for slightly more. Especially if their budgets allow for such things. Huh? Well, I've seen some ridiculous rates too like, on the opposite end, like too high. It's like, what? Um, but I think, yeah, I would agree. Some freelancers charge way too low because they're afraid of not getting the gig. So I think if you're confident of your skills, right, and your network, so that, that one's important, uh, then you should establish yourself at a rate that you are happy with. If not, then you're just shortchanging yourself. What are you, what are you, what are you doing this for? You may as well go work for somebody else. Okay, so thank you very much to all our audiences here as well as uh, our speakers here and sharers on stage. Let's give them a round of applause, everyone. Let us know if you enjoyed the live broadcast and whether you would like to join us for another session of a podcast party because we are always looking for a reason to party. Hope you have enjoyed our panel and subscribe to iTunes and leave us review over there. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel and let us know what you think. Follow us at Creative at Works on Facebook and Instagram. Join us the next time for a brand new episode of the Freelance Creative Exchange. Until then, bye! bye.